Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Open World. I'm Elisa, our, your other host, Ale and Lari. And today we have a very special guest, Maria Eugenia Larraina, who is joining us to talk about a very important topic that is accessibility in video games. She is a PhD candidate at Universitat Autónoma de Barcelona, and her research focuses on the needs and preferences of persons with visual disabilities and the potential applications of audio description. Thank you so much for joining us today, Eugenia. Thank you thank so you much for, for being having here, me. Okay. Yeah, thank you. It's amazing. So we met each other. We're going to be like giving a little bit context <coughs> here. We met each other <laughs> back in Berlin last year. Um, and I was completely amazed by your talk. And I was like, oh, my God, we have to have her in talk. open world because, oh, my God, <laughs> she's amazing. But can you do a professional journey walkthrough for those who don't know you yet? Yes, of course. So I started studying translation and interpreting. I did Spanish, English and French. And when I was done, I was very interested in media, film, uh, translation technologies. So I decided to do a master's on audiovisual translation. And that's when I had my first contact with accessibility. So we studied uh, subtitling for the deaf and the hard of hearing, audio description and re speaking. And when I finished the master's, I had the opportunity to work on a project about audio description called the RAD project and how to apply it to video games. So this was my PhD topic that right now I'm finishing the thesis and I was I just uh, fell in love with audio description and accessibility in general and how to apply it to such a new medium like video games that's amazing um, and what was that inspired you to pursue a career in accessibility and maybe as a, as a follow-up question to that, um, what are some of the key challenges that you have faced in this industry so far? So I was very inspired by the fact that accessibility can be applied to anything in real life. So when you use a ramp That's to true. enter a building or when you use subtitles to watch a movie or when you use an audio guide to guide yourself around a museum, uh, all of this is accessibility and we are all users of accessibility all the time and just the fact that what we do in university can be applied to real life and potentially improve real people's lives and our lives was very exciting so i like really that because that's true that's true right everyone is a user of accessibility to some extent to some point right even with the yeah. uh, translate we even we translate the text right? yeah don't you get mad when you see something that is not accessible for some people and you're like oh my god like this has to be accessible like it happens with even in the simplest things it happens yeah, yeah and when it comes to video games even some triple a studios sometimes don't even i'm an old guy by now so i notice that i sometimes need bigger fonts i do because i can't see and I came across some futuristic uh, first-person shooters that don't really allow me to make my the fonts bigger, and I couldn't play it. I couldn't play it. Yeah, and it's really easy to make. If there is awareness about this, it's not really hard to code or hard to integrate into the planning and the budget. So it's really about being aware of it. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, Maria Eugenia, how would you say that accessibility landscape uh, has changed in the recent years and yeah. 
Yes. Also, like what emerging technologies or trends do you see happening? Uh, I bet an audio description in particular for, for your research, I, I imagine there's been uh, a lot of changes in the recent years. Yeah, no, it has changed. And I would like to say that for the better. So I hope that it continues improving the whole situation. Uh, so I started the, the project in 2020. And back then, there was no audio description at all anywhere in video games. We had audio games, which are games that only have sound. So you have a narration explaining what's going on, but no audio description, really. And now, in only three years, we have game trailers with audio description. We have audio description in some cutscenes in major games, and we also have some gameplay audio description. So it has really evolved very, very quickly, and it's it's very exciting. And this is also a big challenge as well, because you need to be aware of all the new games that are being launched all the time. And there's a lot of diversity, lots of new things every day, but it makes it very exciting as well. And for new things that I'm excited about. I'm very interested in virtual reality lately. I think that this will have like many cool applications for accessibility if it's done from the start. So right now we are just like starting with the technology, starting to become more popular for gaming. And if we are thinking about accessibility now, we will make it better for the players of the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, Absolutely. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. And I also I think about the recognition that accessibility is getting into the video game industry, because um, there are some awards also that are like awarding video games that are accessible for everyone. Right. Um, do you have like some example where you were like, oh, my God, this game has mastered accessibility? That's a good question. I have to say, The Last of Us Part Two. Yes, <laughs> I was so <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, really, sure. a before and after. That such a major AAA game had so many accessibility options. It's been like a major break for the industry, yeah. I would say. And now other companies are looking at it and saying, "Can we replicate this? Can we make this better?" That was yeah. that was something that I was gonna ask. Um, you said that it's not hard to 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 code to keep in in mind, right? To implement. So a game like The Last of Us has set the bar too high, or is it really just a matter of okay, let's include it in the pipeline from the very beginning and let's go with it, and it wouldn't be too complicated, or does it really set the bar too high? Well, I want to think that not really, that everything, everyone can reach this level of accessibility. But of course, you need to have the resources to do so, and this might not be right. easy. Yeah, but it really depends on the type of game, right? So depending on what game it is, you will need some different accessibility options, and maybe the ones mm -hmm. that we have in The Last of Us cannot be applied to your game. So right. if you really create it from the start and design it with users, like real users, involving them in the creation and the testing. And then you work with the developers, the artists, the project managers, everyone together, you can really make it accessible. Yeah, I believe so. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Nice. So Thank this this that. is like the the <laughs> best question I have after this talk. <laughs> um, what are some of the best practices for ensuring that websites and all digital content in general are accessible to users with disabilities? Well, again, it depends a lot on the app or on the website or things like this. But we already have some guidelines that can give developers some ideas. So, for example, we have the web accessibility guidelines or the game accessibility guidelines as well. And you can start from there. But are, then, of course, the first would be to have users. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, are the guidelines free to use, open to use for everyone? Like you can find them online or something? Yeah, some of them are. Others are not. For example, the information for The Last of Us, uh, it's not available. We only know the accessibility options we have, right? But we don't know how they were developed. We need to look into interviews uh, <clears throat> of like people working on the game and things like that. But still, we have very public uh, documents that we can look for. So the game accessibility guidelines, for example, just like this name is open on the internet. We could share it. that link some. Yeah. So, I don't okay, know where sure. links live in videos below. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think there should be more like communication between uh, like gaming studios and companies that like to share all like technological advancement or guidelines and things like that. What's your your opinion about that? It would be nice if all of this information was accessible as well, so that maybe smaller studios can take inspiration from them. And it would be also very nice if the same company would make all of the games accessible and not only some of them. So this is some, something that happens as well. Uh, I mean, if you have already the protocols developed, you can just apply them to all your games, right? But of course, the workflow in the industry is very opaque, right? You you don't really know much about how the studios work. Mm -hmm. So maybe they have some constraints that we don't know about. It would be nice to have this information for everyone to use. Yeah, absolutely. And with the, the things that are available now, <laughs> um, what advice would you give to organizations and companies that are like, just starting to prioritize accessibility in the digital content and products, games? I think that the most important thing is to talk to real users, because sometimes we have um, companies creating accessibility that then is not usable by the real people. Right? Maybe they think that it will be useful, but then when you get real people using it, it's not meeting their needs. So if you really involve them from the start, you will cut costs and make it more profitable at the end as well, and more usable. And then another important thing that I would say is to make the information about accessibility accessible itself. So if you create an accessible video game or you have some accessibility options on your website, you need to make them very clear and easy to use and not hidden in an endless menu or hidden in the tags, uh, difficult to find, right? Because if you have created them, you want the people to use them. Yeah, sometimes it happens to me when I'm like playing a video game, I open the menu, I see the options, and I find like some really good things regarding accessibility that I'm like, oh my God, this is so useful. And I'm like, 
why was this so hard to find in the menu, in the options, in the accessibility section? Oh my God, why? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it makes total sense. Total sense. Yeah, and also incorporating like the users. I think that's a great advice because at the end of the day, like you, you are assignating resources to make make it more accessible. And of course you want to like, you know, make it more accessible. So that's a, a really, really, really good point. I think uh, if you, you know, assign all those resources and then at the end of the day, the users are not, you know, it's not helping them then. Helping yeah. Them. yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> looking ahead, right? Looking in the future, um, what are your hopes in particular for the future of accessibility? And I have a follow-up, but I'll leave you that first question. What are okay. your hopes? So, what do you think that accessibility is going to come? Ideally, very optimistically, I hope that one day you can play a game and it's accessible from the beginning. Right? You don't have to wonder if you can play it or not. You just press play, you adjust whatever settings you need, and then you go. <laughs> but maybe more realistically or more in a short-term scenario, I would like to see some standardization regarding uh, game accessibility. So maybe some minimum requirements that games should have. So we already oh, have seen this with subtitles, for example. Like there are many games that now have subtitles by default. So that's yeah. very nice for everyone. Well, uh, that's a like given now. We think that, yeah. I mean, it, it, let let me jump on that wagon of thinking of, of, of things that should be ideal. Maybe you could even have some pre-settings on your console or computer or whatever, and the game can pick that up from the start, right? So you only need to tweak everything. That will be cool, yeah. Right, like big fonts. Like on your, <laughs> I don't know, for example, in your yeah. Steam profile, you have like yeah. an option to say, I always want big fonts because I cannot see absolutely mm -hmm. anything. <laughs> Like yes. me, for example. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, yeah, or some other like accessibility feature on your, I don't know, profile on your Steam page, PlayStation, Xbox. That will be great. Yeah, your user, you know, your user yeah. that games can pick it up from your yeah, profile. Yeah, so I don't have all the time to go <clears throat> into the game, into the menu first, setting the options, and then. I mean, to 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 again hop on what you said, Mario Genia. Um, I have an Xbox. It's my preferred console right now um the games already picked up pick up if i have my console in spanish or in english the games already go in spanish or in english depending on how the console is configured it wouldn't so, be that hard now it wouldn't be that hard yeah i don't know maybe no, if someone it would is be very nice this. yeah mm -hmm. but at the same time i think that it's also important that you can manually set things <laughs> For example, yes, for my, my thesis, I was talking to this woman who was helping me like figure out this audio description in games, how to create them, like a, a player who, who is blind. And she was telling me, I was playing The Last of Us 2 with all the presets for visual accessibility. And then once I had mastered the whole game, I had played through it, then I started uh, checking off some of the accessibility options. 
and I started making it more difficult for myself, more challenging, because part of the game, you know, is like to complete these yeah. challenges. <laughs> so if you have the option to customize it completely, then you can of have course. a new experience every time you play. <laughs> so that would be nice too. I like this brainstorming. I, I like the idea. So again, <laughs> thinking in the future, how do you see your role in shaping it, in shaping this future that we are thinking about? How do you see yourself? I would really love to stay researching game accessibility in the future once I finish my thesis, for sure. And I would like to see how all of this develops. So maybe I, I continue doing user research, which I really like. It's been very nice to follow up with all of these participants who have helped me with my study during these three years. And it's very nice to have this back and forth with them. Like they tell me about their experiences with new games. I tell them about and some news that I read about this upcoming game. And it's very nice to have mm. this feedback and to be in touch with them and then to take this information to society. So I really like the whole dissemination part and talking to the industry, talking to the general public and just raising a bit of awareness about it. Um, so in this future, do, do you have any interest in, in, in joining a video game publisher or a company that creates video games or do you think of something more altruistic from the outside as a researcher? Academic. Well, both would be nice, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> both. I, mean, I, I want both. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there is this new kind of profile, which is an accessibility consultant profile that mm. some people with disabilities are taking now, which is very, very good. So someone who is there working with the developers hand in hand to make the game accessible. So it could be nice to do something like that. But as an accessibility researcher, maybe continue doing user research, but from a company. Then I also like university a lot. <laughs> maybe I can do everything. You can do it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. At the same time, like you know, it's always a thing about you know when 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 academic work is a bit like you know further away from from the company work or whatever. So I think it's great that you're trying to put them closer and how you know you can help each other. Um, yeah. And I was uh, wondering, going back to the brainstorm, <laughs> uh, because I've heard. I mean. Some some gamers, um, which is you know, this is this is why we like having this episode. You know, also kind of giving a bit more information and insight and accessibility, and so other people also because they, they might not know, but they think that you know, changing the difficulty difficulty level or the story mode is just making games easier, or they complain about that and they just don't know like the real reason behind it. Like, what's yeah, your... no, this is a very big criticism that I have heard uh, during these years as well. Because sometimes you, when you're talking about game accessibility, you are met with very enthusiastic people who want to jump on it and be like, yes, this is a great creative opportunity, let's do it. And then you have the other side, which would be, no, this is too hard. This makes no sense. People don't need accessibility <laughs> options. We don't want the games to be easy. Mm -hmm. uh, what I try to tell them is that if the game is completely unplayable for you because it's not accessible, then it's not hard. It's just impossible to play. 
right? Yeah. So we are not making it easier. We are just make it, making it playable. Oh my yeah. God, I love that. We are not making it easier, we're making it playable. I, I wanted to quote. do that on my skin. Oh my God, <laughs> I love that. Um, I'm very passionate. I, every time I hear you speak about accessibility, it, it's, I don't know, something lights up inside me. I, I love that. Um, can you give us some advice for someone that is interested in working in this accessibility industry in video games? Mm -hmm. Interesting question. <laughs> well, something that I have learned uh, in this time is that you should be very open to talk to very different people with very different views from you. So we really need to involve everyone in the process of making a video game into making it accessible. So you need to talk to the developers, to the artists, to the project managers, to the people in marketing who are selling the game and to the players and all of these People have very different vocabularies, very different priorities, and they will see accessibility in different ways. So if you can really communicate with everyone, then you are winning the game, really. So just be very open, very flexible to understand all of these roles and then being able to communicate what you want to say. Then it's it's also very exciting when you are explaining something to a developer, like what is audio description? So the first time that I did this, it was very hard to explain. It was like, yeah, like a narration, like a voice line, like, a, and at the end, uh -huh. I ended up explaining it as an additional voice line that you put in the soundtrack. And then they were like, oh yeah, I know how to code that. <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, it's all about you, you see them. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, great, great advice. The whole episode. Thank you so much, Maria Eugenia. This was great. I, I think all of us can keep talking about accessibility. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, of course, we'll leave uh, links in the in the description. And uh, if yeah, if anyone wants to contact Maria Eugenia or um, investigate a bit more about accessibility, we always yeah uh, encourage you to do so. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, thank you so much. Sure, you can contact me anywhere. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> this was thank you, everyone, for Love tuning in. You. See you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.